Hi everyone, uh, my name's Esther, I'm one of the key leaders here at Ebby Church. I just want to say a welcome to you, um, whatever time of day you're watching, whatever day of the week it is, it's great to have you with us. So last week, um, Esther started us off in a short teaching series that we're doing at the moment called These Three Things. And she said some really great stuff about security, identity and wrestling with God. And yeah, do check that out if you missed it last week. And today, the title of our talk is, take a deep breath, Our Emotions. Our emotions. It's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? My, my own reaction here is to start with an apology. Um, and I want to apologise because I feel like I'm the worst person to be giving this talk. So the first day that I sat down to try and write some words for this, I ended up looking at this blank word document and crying. I felt totally overwhelmed, inadequate and empty. The second day I sat down to try and write this talk, I hadn't slept very well um, because I've been feeling really anxious and I don't know if you know that feeling where it's like someone has like reached into your stomach and grabbed it and is twisting it and won't let go. Yeah, actually that's not just a one-off thing. I've been feeling that for, yeah, a bit of time now, feeling that anxiety. And so yeah, my emotions and my feelings right now are, to be honest with you, a little bit all over the place. And for some reason, I want to apologize for that. And I think that this is our first problem, or, well, it's my first problem anyway. Because we often talk about life being like an emotional roller coaster, and the implication is that it's something that we want to get off. It's not a, a ride that we want to be on. And I think we often measure emotional success as like a, a flat line where our emotions and our feelings are a respectable distance under the surface, and basically where we are in control. Um, and this isn't right. We aren't winning at life when our emotions are in check or when our feelings are nicely under control. Like, that's not a God thing. That's, that's not a measure that he uses. And so here's the plan for today. We are going to pop back to the beginning of the Bible, to Genesis. We're going to skip ahead and have a little look at Jesus. And then we're going to use the story of a guy called Zechariah to unpick all of this a little bit further. Uh, first of all, I'm going to pray. Yeah, Father God, thank you again that you are here with us, wherever here is. And yeah, Father, I, I ask that you will speak to us. I pray that... Yeah, our ears will be open, our eyes open, our hearts open to whatever it is you want to do and say to us. Yeah, thank you for your goodness, thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. So, human beings are unique. 
no two people have ever been found to have the same fingerprints. And if we were sat in a building all together right now, I would ask you to have a look around you and check out each other's fabulous uniqueness because we are all noticeably very different. And the thing is, this uniqueness, it's not just about our physical bodies and what we see on the surface, our character, our personalities, how we process and feel stuff, our emotional responses, all of that is a part of how we are uniquely made. Like, we're all different and that's the point. So we all feel and express emotions like sadness, anger, joy, love, differently. And that is absolutely fine. My version of anxiety is more than likely very different to yours and that's also okay. Some of us find it easier to share and show our emotions and feelings than others. One isn't necessarily better than the other. In the creation story, it says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And he's talking about us like the whole of us, our physical bodies and all the awesomeness of that, but everything else as well, our emotions, our feelings and the awesomeness of all that too. God looks at us right now, today, and sees very good. When we're crying at our laptop, overwhelmed with life, struggling with anxiety or whatever it is we're feeling, God calls out the very good in all of us. Like, that's what he does, no exceptions. God isn't afraid of our emotions or even surprised that we have them. God intentionally made us as human beings with the ability to feel. And while that might be messy, and we might wish otherwise sometimes, it is a part of the very good as much as anything else. And a little bit before the very good verse, we read in uh, Genesis 1 verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So what does that mean? Helpfully, God has given us Jesus. Jesus is God with skin on. When we see Jesus in the stories in the Bible, we see what God is like. We see the image that we were created to be like. And my simple point here is that Jesus was emotional. He felt all the stuff. And what I'd love to encourage you to do is to grab Matthew, Mark, Luke or John one of the books in the Bible that tell us about Jesus' life on earth and read it through and not in that English comprehension exercise way that sometimes we read the Bible in, but, you know, like really put yourself into these stories. Like really look at Jesus 
see how he feels as he does life, what emotions he shows out loud, but consider what else might be going on under the surface. Um, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I turn Jesus into a passive, mild-mannered, unemotional robot. Like he rocks up here on earth to do a job, say the right words in the right order, tick all the boxes and then get back up to heaven as soon as possible. And in doing that, I rob Jesus of his humanness. I don't think that being betrayed just went over Jesus' head. I don't think one of his closest friends disowning him, I don't think that just like bounced right back off Jesus. And that's just a couple of obvious examples. But Jesus got angry, tired, disappointed, frustrated and overwhelmed. He also appreciated a really good wine and took a lot of pleasure in telling a well-crafted story. Jesus loved being around people and he also needed time on his own too. I don't know, but some of that sounds pretty familiar. So we've got Genesis and Jesus. In Genesis we see that emotions are a part of our original design. And in Jesus, we see the image we were created in, a human with emotions and feelings. And hopefully that's a helpful place to start, or at least like a good foundation to build on as we think about ourselves and our emotions. And now we're going to have a look at a guy called Zechariah and his story in the Bible. Um, and now this story usually gets rolled out around Christmas time, so it's actually quite interesting to have a look at it in a different kind of light. And as we read, we're going to um, pause to pick out some of the context, some of the things that are going on in and around the words that we read. Um, so we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 1. Um, from verse 5, and the words are going to hopefully appear on the screen as I read. So Luke 1 verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. For a start... It's worth highlighting that this day, it was a huge day for Zechariah. Like the chances of being chosen as the one priest to go into the temple were tiny. Like you could be a priest your whole life and not get to do this job. So 
just like put yourself in Zechariah's shoes for a minute and imagine what he was feeling. I kind of imagine, I don't know if you felt this before, he was feeling that thing where you're crazy excited but want to throw up terrified at the same time. I kind of like to think that's probably where he was at. So back to verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Like there's no two ways about it. This is so far out there, you could almost call it unprecedented. Israel is going through a bit of a dry spell. In fact, it's been 400 years since the last time a prophet of God has spoken. King Herod is in charge and it is a really, really dark time. So Zechariah's emotions are already on high alert and then an angel shows up, like God is about to speak. So of course he's startled and paralysed with fear. I kind of think that might be a bit of an understatement. So verse 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in, sight of, in the sight of the Lord. He is never, never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and are disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. This is pretty full on, isn't it? Right, Zechariah, he's wide eyed, he's on edge. And then the angel speaks into the most gut wrenching, painful part of his life. No kids. This is probably the thing that has caused Zechariah and Elizabeth doubt, questions and anguish for years and years. And I think when I've read this story before, um, I've probably been pretty scathing of Zechariah. And I'm like, oh man, come on. An angel shows up, gives you what you've been wanting for years, and you respond with questions and excuses as to why it definitely can't happen. Like, come on, what more do you need? But like, when we put ourselves into Zechariah's story just a little bit, I think things suddenly look and feel very different. Like, Zechariah has certainly, certainly become more human for me now. Like, He's just a guy 
living a real life who has suddenly found himself caught up in God's crazy story. Like his responses might not be perfect. It might take him a bit of time to wrap his head around what's unfolding around him. But that's life, isn't it? That's what happens. And I think we've probably all been there. So what can we pick out from this story? Like how, how can this apply to us, our lives, our emotions? And there's just a couple of things um, that I'm going to pick out for now. And the first of those is to do with feeling pain and keeping on. Like the story that we've just read suggests that Zachariah kept serving God. He kept showing up at the same time as feeling the continual pain of being unable to have children. And this is the reality of life, isn't it? Like lots of us are feeling some kind of pain for a variety of reasons and we keep on going. We keep showing up every day. And I think Zechariah's story shows us why it's good to delve a bit deeper into someone's story instead of just making a snap judgment. And we need to remember that 90% of the time we have no idea what someone is going through, someone that we might cross paths with in life, wherever that is for however long. Like we don't know what someone is feeling or going through. And I think we need to keep reminding ourselves of this and we need to be asking God to fill us with more of his love and his grace for all people. And feeling pain and keeping on it can take an enormous amount of courage, resilience and perseverance. And I have so, so much respect for people I know and people I don't who are doing exactly that. Also though, it can be easy to be feeling all kinds of pain and telling yourself, forcing yourself to just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. And then it can come at a cost to ourselves. And I've spent a couple of years, at least, um, doing exactly this. I, I, I told myself that I had to keep going. And I didn't. I thought I was indispensable. Turns out I'm not. And I thought it was what God expected me to be doing. And he didn't. And I got to a point where I was too ill to carry on. Um, we're human. We feel stuff. And sometimes those emotions, they point us to things that we need to take on. And sometimes we need to ask help to do that. And this isn't us falling short or not quite measuring up, like God doesn't tut, roll his eyes, shake his head in disappointment. Like we can trust God with our emotions and feelings and he wants to be a part of them as much as he does anything else. Like God wants to walk the whole 
of life with us because he loves us. Emotions and feelings included. Let's not forget that. And the second thing that I just want to quickly pick out from Zechariah's story is to do with disappointment. Zechariah's initial response to Angel Gabriel telling him his prayers were going to be answered was a doubt-filled question and then pointing to the impossibilities. Like, what do you do after years of disappointment, of seemingly unanswered prayer? You have doubts, you ask questions, and you point God to your reality. And I, yeah, I love two things about this. I love that Zechariah was honest. He said what he was thinking out loud, no filter. And I also love that God didn't then wash his hands of Zechariah and go find someone else to be the father of John the Baptist. There's so much for us to be encouraged about right here. God loves and wants our honesty. And he doesn't give up on us easily or ever, actually. But like, disappointment hurts, doesn't it? And it can really affect how we live life and our relationship with God. So a fair few years ago now, um, there was a guy who was a part of our church family who had cancer. And as a church, we prayed a lot for him to be healed. And I think we believed that he would be, or at least definitely that he could be. Uh, he wasn't. And he died way too soon. And if I'm honest, that really affected me and my thoughts around prayer generally, but specifically around healing. And my faith that God would answer any of my prayers was like a rock bottom. And when I heard stories of healing, like I, I couldn't celebrate them. And I definitely avoided praying for healing of any kind as much as possible. I, I chose the safety of doubt over the risk of more painful disappointment. So, what do we do when disappointment stops us going all in with God? Like when it stops us living life in relationship with God and living that life to the full. There's definitely no quick fix or easy answers here. But we can't do it on our own. We need to do it with him, with God. And to trust that God wants to be with us in our disappointments. He wants to hear our unfiltered honesty. He wants to feel the pain with us and to work it through with us. I still have to grit my teeth when I pray for healing, but I do because I believe God is who he says he is. 
And I believe the Jesus stuff that we read in the Bible is for us today. And, and I believe that God loves and he hears and he responds to our through gritted teeth prayers. So how, how do we respond to God in all, all this that we've thought about today? And yeah, as I've been thinking about this, I think there are a couple of specific things that God is saying to, yeah, people that are watching this. And the first of those, for some of us, we've kept on going for too long. And God is graciously and lovingly sat alongside you with his arm around you and he's saying it's okay you can stop I've got you and the other thing is I think for some of us there's something about carrying like that weight of disappointment that it hurts like heck and it's damaging um, our relationship with God and to be honest I wonder if God is saying a similar thing that he is sat right alongside you that he's got his arm around you and he's saying it's okay let me take some of that for you I've got you and yeah to to close I think maybe we all need to hear uh, these words from a poem written by a guy called David that's in the Bible. And this is from Psalm 139. And I think this is a reassurance, encouragement, and a claiming of the truth that God made us, he knows us, he loves us, and he thinks we're awesome. So this is from Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And I'm conscious that the way that we're doing church at the moment, um, finding someone to pray with you um, right now might be difficult. And just want to point you to those prayer slots that Derek mentioned earlier. Um, they're coming up this Tuesday. Um, maybe the details will be on the screen, but you can find them on our website. Um, get one of those slots booked. Um, yeah, we'd really love to pray with you. Um, so I'm going to pray to close. Yeah, Father, 
I pray right now that you would be speaking, um, yeah, your truth to us. I pray that we would hear, yeah, hear, hear your voice. And Father, I want to thank you that you made us and that that includes our emotions and our feelings. Yeah, thank you that we see in Jesus, yeah, a human being doing life and feeling all the stuff. And Father, whatever is going on for us in life right now, yeah, whatever our emotions and feelings, whether we are on top of a mountain or in the depths of a valley or somewhere in between, I pray that we would know you with us, like right there with us. And Father, yeah, where we might need to do some business with you, where our emotions are pointing us to, yeah, some stuff that maybe we need to take on, um, will you put people around us so we can do that? You show us how to do that with you. But yeah, Father, thank you. We praise you because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Everything that you've made is awesome and that includes us. Yeah, thank you. Amen. Um, so we now have an opportunity to share communion together via Zoom. Um, yeah, we'd just love to encourage you to do that. There'll be a link that is easy to click on and follow. Um, yeah, communion is often a really great place to yeah, fix our eyes on Jesus and respond to him. Um, if you're not joining us, um, yeah, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Um, I hope you have a good week, um, whatever that looks like. Do stay in touch and yeah, we will see you soon. Take care.